0: Good job. All right. The rest of you, uh, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. Matthew chapter 6. If you're not used to navigating your way through the scriptures, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Uh, Also, when they put together your Bible, most likely uh, they gave you a table of contents so you can find Matthew. Uh, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter six this morning. This is a standalone sermon. That's not the title of my sermon. It's just this is a standalone sermon. Okay. Uh, a few minutes ago, uh, Sean read a passage from Matthew chapter eleven, and I want to make sure we don't miss what Jesus said in that passage. At the very end of Matthew chapter eleven, Jesus the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in hearts, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So I asked this morning, are you laboring? Are you heavy laden? Is the weight of life just kind of weighing you down? If so, Jesus tells you to come to Him, and you will find rest in Him. And the way that we do that, he tells us how we do that. The way we do that is to take upon ourselves his yoke. And he tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I understand not many of us in here are farmers. And so you're like, what in the world's a yoke? And maybe you had somebody tell you that a yoke is something that you put two oxen together so that you can plow a field. But what Jesus is talking about, and that's true, and that's the analogy he's using. But what he's saying by, take upon you my yoke, is this manner of life, a way of life. So Jesus is saying that there's a way to live this life that will actually provide you rest. There's a way to live life on this earth that will actually be easy and light. So my question this morning, do you want that type of a life? Does it sound too good to be true? To have a, a way of going through life that as you look at it, you're like, wow, this is way easier and lighter than the yoke, the way of life that the world presents to us. Now, to fully understand all that Jesus means by this manner of life or this yoke of Jesus, To understand all that means would take understanding all of the Scripture, and really that's going to take the rest of our lives for those of us who endeavor to figure out what it looks like to walk in the way of Jesus. But we're going to get a pretty good start this morning from Matthew chapter 6. And as I read Matthew chapter 6, which is the middle third of this sermon that Jesus preaches from Matthews 5, 6, and 7, middle third of the sermon is what we're looking at, I want you to picture this way of life that Jesus is describing. He's proposing this way of life to his disciples, to his followers. What does this way of life look like? As we read, I want you to think about what does it look like? What would it look like to live like this? How is Jesus' way of life different than the way of life that the world is trying to tell me to live? How is this life of Jesus and this way of life He's proposing, how is it different from the life you're currently living? What's different? What would need to change to go from how you're living to how Jesus is proposing we live? I also want you to wonder and think as I read, is this way of life of Jesus attractive to you? Is it a yoke you would like to have? So before you get into how would this actually work, be thinking, does this actually sound better than the yoke that my culture is screaming at me to take on? Is this better than the yoke I've come up with for myself? Is it better? So think through some of those things as I read, as we read together Matthew chapter 6. I'll read. You just follow along. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others truly i say to you they have received their reward but when you give to the needy do not do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secrets and your father who sees in secret will reward you and when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners That they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard by their many words. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secrets, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither wrath nor Neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your hearts will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of lights. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness." And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to learn from you. Many of us have come into this room weary and heavy laden, and we are coming to you, Jesus. We are coming into your church. We are coming to your word, and we desire to hear from you and to learn from you. We need to learn your way of life and to find rest for our weary souls, It is in your name that we pray. Amen. The proposition before us this morning from this text is actually pretty simple. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Be disinterested in worldly things. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Be disinterested in worldly things. When I use that word seek and when we see that word in our text, it's not a mere like looking for uh, something that you're not interested in. It is seeking after something to find it for a purpose. So something that you're wanting to grab a hold of, something you're wanting to obtain, not just something you're passively looking for. That's the type of seek that we're after. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and at the same time be disinterested in worldly things. This main proposition for us is a stark contrast, something that I'm supposed to be seeking to grab and something else that I'm to be disinterested in. And really this passage is going to break down in Uh, three different contrasts that are really just looking at this main contrast from a different perspective. That's really what Jesus is doing here, showing us the contrast of his way of life versus the other ways of life. So our first contrast this morning in verses 1 through 18, verses 1 through 18, seek God who is in secrets. be disinterested in In man's approval. Seek God who is in secret. Be disinterested in man's approval. Jesus begins this section in verse 1 like this He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness, that is, your righteous deeds, the things that you do to show that you love and honor and want to serve God. Beware of practicing those things in order to be seen by other people. So the things that we do to show that we love God and honor God, we, we should not be doing those things to impress other people in this life. Because if you do that, God the Father, the person that we're supposed to be honoring with these righteous acts, He will give you no reward. He actually says several times in this section, people who, who do righteous deeds to look good in front of other people, they've actually received their reward by the other people's praise. And I don't know about you, but other people's praise is really fleeting. Other people's criticism is really fleeting. And so that's not the kind of reward that I want, is, is that that I can get from other people. The reward I want is one from the Father in heaven. You see, these righteous acts are supposed to be for God. If we make them about impressing our fellow man, we have missed the points. And God does not honor that. So what are these acts of right- righteousness that Jesus is talking about? Well, he goes on to explain several of them, certainly not all of them. He's not intending to give an exhaustive list here, but he gives us a pretty good list. In verse 2 and following, he talks about giving to the needy. In verse 5 and following, he talks about praying and he actually talks about praying from two different aspects. Verses 14 and 15, he gives a little aside, but it's a very important aside about forgiving our fellow man. And then in verse 16 and following, he talks about fasting. So these are the acts of righteousness, righteousness that Jesus is teaching us he teaches us that we're to do these things in a really odd place. He says we're supposed to do these acts of righteousness in secret before God. And he commits to us that God sees what we do in secret and he rewards what we do in secret. Nobody else can reward you for what you do in secret, but God can. He says something that's even more powerful than that thought, though. That God can see what I do in secret and reward me for what I do in secret, even though nobody else, if I never tell another soul what I've done in secret this week, they can't reward me for it, right? Oh, by the way, I had my quiet time yesterday. I don't know if you saw, I posted it on social media, right? Like those types of things. If it's in secret, if it's in secret... Nobody else can reward us for it, but God can. But there's a bigger, even a bigger truth. It's amazing. In verse 6, look for it. Where does it tell us that the Father is? In verse 6, he says the Father is in secret. He actually says the same thing in verse 18. When we're looking for the location of God the Father in this passage, there are two locations that Jesus gives us. He is in heaven, and he is in heaven in secret. And so perhaps you're here this morning and you've been seeking for God. You desire to hear from God. You're wondering, if there really is a God, I would love to meet with Him. I would love to know Him. If it's true that there's a God, surely I can know Him and and fellowship with Him. Perhaps you felt like God is silent in your life. Maybe you've known God in the past, but but for some reason, just recently, he's silent. There's, there's a trial you're going through. Or there's a decision that needs to be made. And, and you're wondering, God, what, what would you have for me? And, and you're just wondering what's going on. And, and God just seems silent. I have to ask you, have you salt God in the secret place? Because that's where he is. That's where he can be found is in the secret place. The quiet secret place Where we practice our righteous deeds is where we find God. As you do this, we must also take up an utter disinterest in the praise or criticism of other people. O church, how many of our actions, how many of the things that we do day after day and week after week are we doing because of what we think people will respond to what we're doing. How many actions just this week as you move through your life, just catch yourself like, why am I doing the thing that I'm about to do? And more often than not, I think we'll be, if we're honest with ourselves, we're like, I'm doing this to please this person or these people. I'm doing this to impress my boss. I'm doing this to look good in front of my peers. I'm, looking, I'm doing this to fit in with the crowd at school that I want to be a part of. Whatever it is, we're doing it to impress other people. Jesus, the, the way of life of Jesus, the yoke that Jesus has for us, has an utter disinterest with the praise and the criticism of our fellow man. Are you starting to see Jesus' way of life? It's already quite different, isn't it? We're just getting started. How is this way of life different from how you've lived this past week? How is it different than you've planned to live your life this coming week? You probably already have some plans for today and tomorrow. How many of them are seeking to impress people instead of living righteously before God? We are to seek God who is in secrets by quietly and simply living a righteous life, being generous to the needy, praying regularly and praying simply. You'll notice Jesus is after simple prayers. God already knows what we need. He's after simple prayers. We're to live a life where we forgive people who sin against us. That would be countercultural, wouldn't it? If you just forgave people who sinned against you, who wronged you, who were indebted to you for some reason. You forgive them because you have been forgiven by your heavenly Father. And fasting. right? We are a gluttonous society. We see what we want and we eat it. There is food all over the place. What would it look like to live different than that and say, you know what? I'm going to skip a meal, and I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't even, oh, I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten in three days. Like, okay, You don't have to tell everybody. You can go on about your life and allow that to be your inner turmoil that you and God have going on. You don't have to tell anybody. Now, you're likely to beginning to think about some questions like, wow, okay, how would this even work? Like, I'm not currently doing any of those things like giving to the poor and praying and fasting and forgiving people like I'm not doing any of those things so like none of those things exist in my life and I have a really full calendar and to-do list and like there's already so much so Brian you're trying to tell me to add these things into my already full life and I'm saying no Jesus is telling you that but actually what he's telling you is no no, no. you need to clear all that stuff off Put in the things of the Lord and then all these other things will be added around that. Let me encourage you to ask the question a different way. What would you be willing to give up to have a life like this? What would you be willing to give up to have a relationship with the God of the universe? I know sometimes we like overly think about some of these things and we have a lot of like church language and Christianese and all this other stuff. But, but really, if you could genuinely have a relationship with the God who created the universe, what would you give up to get that? If you're fully grasping what Jesus is saying here, the clear and simple answer is everything. I'd give up everything. Everything. To have a relationship with the God of the universe. So we are to seek God who is in secrets. And be disinterested in man's approval. This is the type of life that Jesus tells us that God rewards. Now let's talk about those rewards for a moment. Because that's where Jesus goes next. What types of rewards Should we be looking for? This is the second contrast that Jesus instructs us. Second contrast in verses 19 through 24. Verses 19 through 24. Seek treasure in heaven, be disinterested with treasure on earth. Seek treasure in heaven, be disinterested in treasure on earth. Jesus is clear in this section where the treasure is that we should be concerned with. Treasure in heaven is what should concern us, not treasure on earth. He goes on, he elaborates. He says that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So our affections, the things that we strive after, our will, like wherever our treasure is. So if you treasure things on earth, then you're going to go after things on earth, If you treasure things in heaven, you're going to go after the things that are in heaven. He goes on to talk about what you look at is actually going to drive all of that. So if you look at the things in this earth, then you're going to set your heart on those things and you're going to go after those things. But if you look at things in heaven, good and godly, right things, then that is where your whole body will go. He finishes off and he calls these worldly possessions a master. And he says you actually can't serve two masters at the same time. You cannot serve both God and worldly possessions. And he actually personifies worldly possessions like it's a thing, like it's a person. You can't, do, you can't serve both. So we see that this entire section, 19 through 24, is really about our money and our possessions on this earth versus eternal possessions in heaven and ultimately in the life to come. You say, do you see how Jesus' teaching fits together here? See back in verse 2 and following, Jesus instructed a life of quiet generosity to those who are in need. What would keep us? from quiet generosity to people who are in need? Well, it would be ordering our lives around treasure on earth, would it not? Then he instructs us about prayer. He tells us to have quiet, simple prayers. Well, what would keep us from a quiet, simple, serious, devoted prayer life before God? Well... It'd be filling up our lives with all this stuff of life and saying, Man, I really don't have time for prayer. I just really don't have time. I've been really busy recently, and I don't have time to get away from all the noise of life and to pray. That's what keeps us from prayer. What about forgiveness? Jesus says that when we've realized the forgiveness that we need from God and if we're in Christ that we have from God, when we've realized that and we're regularly asking Him for His forgiveness, He says we'll be quick to forgive other people when they have wronged us. What would keep us from living that kind of life? Focusing on the horizontal. Focusing on how other people have wronged me. What keeps us from fasting? Focusing on life here. Focusing on our, what our body tells us we need. How often do we use words like, I'm starving? I would guess 99% of us, if not more, have never actually been starving. We've probably not been in danger of dying from starvation. The average healthy human adult can go about two weeks without food. Two weeks. Right? We miss a meal and we're like, I'm starving. I haven't eaten since this morning. Some of you now are like, man, I wish I hadn't forgot about breakfast because he's talking about food and I'm really hungry right now. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He's talking about people who live life focused on what their belly tells them to do. He says their end is destruction. Their God is destruction. Is their belly with minds set on earthly things? Fasting teaches us that the things of this world don't actually matter. Jesus is showing us a completely different life. He's showing us an infinitely better life, one that is focused on Him, one that is focused on eternal treasure in heaven. Not the fading treasures of earth. I love how this old song puts it. Perhaps you know it. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And what will happen? The things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of His glory and grace. Seek treasure in heaven be disinterested in treasure on earth. So think for a moment on what we've seen so far in this passage. Think about what is your manner of life? What is the manner of life that Jesus is proposing? How are they different? Think about this manner of life that Jesus is proposing, this yoke that he says is easy in life, this yoke that he is showing us here in Matthew chapter 6. Does it seem different than the ever increasing stress and ever increasing anxiety of this life? It's not surprising where Jesus completes this section of his sermon. It's our third contrast in verses 25 through 34. Verses 25 through 34, he says this Do not be anxious. Seek the kingdom of God today. Do not be anxious. Seek the kingdom of God today. Jesus' instruction in this section is quite clear. Do not be anxious. Your translation may say, do not worry. Same concept. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God. And he concludes, do it today. Notice though the types of things that we're not supposed to be anxious about. Jesus lifts them off in pretty rapid succession there in verse 25. But I just want us to slow down for a moment and listen to the things that Jesus, the Son of God, is telling us to not worry about. He says, do not be anxious about your life. Sounds important. Do not be anxious about what you will eat. Sounds pretty important. Do not be anxious about what you will drink. Do not be anxious about your body. Do not be anxious about what you will wear. Do you think God cares how much you weigh? Do you think God cares how much you can bench press? How much you can squat? You think God cares what you wear and if other people like what you wear or don't like what you wear? You see, if we're focused on the things of this world, life, eat, drink, body, wear, those things sound really important, don't they? Till right? so I ask these questions, they sound very important. Maybe even this morning as you decided what to wear, they sounded very important. But if we're focused on the things of God and His kingdom then these things become mere necessities of life. And notice what Jesus says about these mere necessities of life. He says at the end of verse 25 that life is more important than these things. Just think about that for a second. There are things in life that are more important than the things that are needed to sustain your life. It's a powerful truth. And those things, those more important things, the things that are more important than the so-called necessity of life, those are the things that we're to be seeking first before we worry about the necessities of life. That's what we're supposed to be concerning ourselves with. Focus on sustaining your eternal life with God before focusing on sustaining your earthly life. Do you see how drastically different this is than how we think? It's an entirely different life. So let's get practical for a moment. Let's just imagine you wake up in the morning. And some of you take longer than others to wake up before you start like actually putting thoughts together. That's okay. But once you start, you're awake enough to put a couple thoughts together the life that jesus is proposing is not all right first i got to get coffee then i got to get some food in me for some of you it's i got to get in my workout for others it's all right i got to get my to-do list for the day all right what am i doing i got to check my calendar oh yeah i need to go ahead and check the news as well oh i got to check the weather right and and so all of those things. And then somewhere during the day, or maybe for you it's sometime during the week, you're like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to fit this God stuff in here somewhere. See, that's not the, the life that Jesus has for us. Instead, the first thoughts we put together really need to be, God, I need you today. I need you today. I need to meet with you Today, I need to hear from you today. I, I, before I go to work, I need to put work in its proper perspective in my life. Before I interact with these other human beings that you have me living with, I need to put all of that in its proper perspective in my life. And I need to hear from you. And I need to do so today. I want you to see the heart of Jesus' instruction here. You see, he tells us, he gives us the instruction, do not be anxious. But I want you to hear the heart that Jesus has here. It's not, don't be anxious, fix yourself, obey me. It's a command. It's not how he's saying it at all. Instead, what has actually happened is he's taught us the manner of life that will free us from anxiety. I love, there's an old poem, and it's really hard to figure out who originally wrote it because it gets attributed to lots of different people. But I love this old poem. Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings, it bids us fly and gives us wings. Jesus is telling us to fly. Don't be anxious. Like, really? In this life? Don't be anxious? It might be easier to fly than not be anxious in this life. Is that what you're telling me, Jesus? Don't be anxious? But He gives us the wings to do so, doesn't He? He's showing us the manner of life that will lead us to be free from anxiety. So what do you think about this manner of life that Jesus is teaching his disciples? How does it sound to you? Is it the type of life that you desire to live? If you're going to live this type of life, what would need to change in your life? Before I leave you with these words from Jesus, I'd like to share a little bit of how this typically works. Just three thoughts on how this typically works. Number one, this life is lived every day. Every day. Okay? The goal today is to live more like this life that Jesus proposes today than you did yesterday. This is really what he sums up in verse 34. He says, look, I know you're going to worry about tomorrow, but don't. Let tomorrow worry about itself. I love that. Like, like tomorrow's a person who can worry about them, their own self. I love that. Worry about today. Just, just today. Focus on today. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. This life in Christ is lived every single day. You can't say, man, I did really good yesterday, so I'll just slack off today. Or, you know, tomorrow I'm really going to start, so I'm just going to do a bunch of other stuff today. I'm going to focus on earthly things today. Tomorrow, I'll start living this righteous life. It's an everyday life. Number two, there will be big decisions. There will be big decisions, Some days, you're going to be faced with really big decisions that will drastically alter the direction of your life. You will have a choice in front of you, and it becomes pretty clear, all right, this path, the, all the good, all the, all the things that would make me go this way are really the cares of this world, earthly reasons why I would go this path. This path over here, the only reason I would do that is because I believe there's a God and He's calling me to do this thing. And so there's going to be days, there's going to be times, if you walk with Christ for a long time, there's going to be some really big decisions. And they will drastically alter the course of your life. If you're facing one of those decisions in this season of life, I would encourage you to not shy away from it. Don't shy away from it. I would encourage you to be careful who you listen to, because most people are concerned with what? The things of this world, and so they will lead you down the path of the things of this world. So don't shy away from it, press into it, seek the Lord's will for your life, and once you're convinced it's God's will for your life, walk into it with boldness. I've been a Christian for a little over 21 years now. I know for some of you that sounds like an eternity. For some of you, you're like, ah, you're just a kid, just, just a kid. I'm glad we have both in the room. I'll just tell you, just for a like, point of reference, I, I came up with like five or six of these like really big decisions in my life where I was like, all right, if I cared about the world, I would definitely go this way, but if there's a God and He's really calling me to this, I need to go this way. Five or six really big decisions like that in the past 21 plus years. The third thing I want you to know, though, is there will be little decisions. There will be, maybe you put that in quotes, big and little. There will be little decisions. You see, most days, you will be faced with small, seemingly insignificant decisions that over time will drastically alter the direction of your life. So in 21 years, I've had five or six big decisions, what I would call big decisions, I don't know, maybe I've had a million little decisions, right? But don't be confused. These seemingly small decisions add up and they are our way of life. It is the yoke that you're carrying. These small decisions that we make every day makes up our way of life. It makes up our yoke. And this yoke of Jesus, this way of Jesus, to circle back to the first one I just said, is something that you cannot pick up every once in a while. It must be lived every single day. Every day. You can't say, "Yes, Sundays I do Christian stuff, and then the rest of my week I do something else. Yeah, I I give this portion of my money to the Lord, and then this portion of my money I do whatever I want with. No, 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 it all belongs to God. To him. It's all his. There will be little decisions, but these little decisions are actually what make up our lives. Now that we have a little bit of background of what he means, I want you to listen again to the words in Matthew 11. You can turn there if you'd like. It's the very end of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in hearts. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Jesus. I love you guys. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need you. Every day, we need you. Every hour, every moment, we need you. This world, our culture, is very loud. It is screaming at us to run and chase after the things That really only matter here in this world. We need you. We need to know you. Help us to seek you first. Help us to seek you. In the quiet places. Where you tell us that you are. Help us to seek you without concern of impressing other people. We desire to come to you. We desire to rest in you. Jesus, it is in your name that we pray. Amen.